AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. We got him into an inpatient facility. And keep in mind, at this point, he was 66, 67. And, had been, and we're not talking like weekend drinking. We're talking hard drinking for 40 years. We sent him to this place in Statesboro, Georgia. I was not optimistic. They do like family therapy. So I, I fly down to Statesboro, Georgia one day after the show. And as soon as I saw him, as soon as we hugged, I knew that he was different. And he hadn't. He hadn't had a drink since. What a beautiful way to describe a relationship with one's parent. Um, redemption, love, all the things. Craig Melvin, anchor of today's show, uh, wrote this beautiful book, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Sit back, relax. He is our guest on Naked this week. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I've never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world with vulnerable, considered weak, come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. Hey everybody, welcome back to Naked. We're on a roll with our guests. This week we have today's show anchor, Craig Melvin. I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed talking to him. I get into this in a podcast, but I met Craig when we were up and coming reporters at local news. And it's just wonderful to see where he is right now and how he has decided to 
intentionally take a path that allows him to speak to the world every morning and share great stories and be open about his life and his family. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I ask him some tough questions about being a, a journalist, a black journalist, more specifically a black man in today's news world when everything seems so polarizing. When you get in these positions of power, they make you feel like you can't be yourself fully. Or you can't bring your full self to work and talk about your experiences. And I do believe George Floyd changed that for a lot of people, such as myself, who have these platforms where you're afraid to be very open and honest. For me, it kicked me all the way into the direction of speaking truth to power. And for others, you use your big platform for good so people can see you and understand how you move and who you are. So Craig Melvin, again, third hour of the Today Show host, but I see him all the time with Al Roker. He's on everything. Uh, journalist to the core, a friend, but more importantly, a husband and a father. His book really gets into tough dynamics between parent, child, father, son, mother, daughter, if you will. Insert whatever family dynamic you want. And it was special because he talked about an addicted father who didn't go to rehab until he was 67 years old. And it's living his life, the best life he can live right now. And that's hope for all of us, right? Without further ado, let's welcome in Craig Melvin to Naked. Everybody listening to the podcast, thank you so much for being faithful. I have to tell you a story about Craig. Craig and I, this is bananas, but it's how the world works. I remember... Craig and I went to something called the Pointer Institute together. I was a local news reporter and anchor in West Palm. And I don't I remember you might have, were you in North Carolina? Where were you? South Carolina. I was in South Carolina. South Carolina. You, you used the proper formal name. I just, I called it anchor and reporter camp. Yeah. <laughs> it's essentially what it was, right? People, and back, and I don't even know if it's even regarded like it used to be back you know, since we're out of local news, it probably is, but that we met there in a class full of people. Um, and, and, and I, what I remember thinking about Craig was, gosh, he's so professional. This is the perfect newsman. That's what I remember thinking. I also remember thinking, God, he is so arrogant. You know, my nerves, uh-huh. he know everything. Ugh. Ugh. Wow. The yeah. truth. One, one was wrong. Thank the you. Latter. Uh, the first was correct. Talk to me um, about your local news journey. That's interesting, though, in, in terms of how you've been able to move up the ladder. You know, I, so I started in Columbia, South Carolina. And when we met at Anchor Camp, that's where I was working. And, and my, my news director at the time, um, we're still friends. And, and, and she said to me, now she admits that she thought I was decent, but uh, that I could be much better. So she sent me off to camp to, to improve um, and I, but I grew up in, so I grew up in Columbia. I went to Columbia high school and, um, and I started working at this TV station, WIS TV when I was a junior in high school and I would go in and, and do these stories on like, I worked with a producer and did stories on like teens and seatbelt safety and teens and booking and teens and sex. And like, you know, stories that try to appeal to teenagers and they paid me $25 a story. And I, I caught the bug. I just I caught the bug in high school and, and went off to college in South Carolina and studied government because I thought for a hot minute, well, maybe I could be a lawyer or maybe I could do something in D.C. And I, I tried to escape my fate 
only to have it chase me down uh, junior year of college. And I went back to the same TV station in Columbia, South Carolina, WIS TV. And, um, and I worked there that summer as a producer. And that was it. I, that, 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 that started for me. That was 2000. That was 2000 when I was, yeah. And that's when I started and I've been doing it, doing it ever since, Carrie Champion, just like you. I mean, see, when I, when I met you, you were at the station in West Palm, but you, I think shortly thereafter, you went to the tennis channel. No, no, no. After I left West Palm, I went to Atlanta. I worked in Atlanta. Oh. Yeah, remember I got fired and rehired for saying Mother Sucker on the air? You remember that? That was back when, that was a, back, back when something like that would get you fired. Yeah, another year. Could you imagine? Like, I was just, and I remember, and then and the internet, you know, sounds like 18, uh, umpteen years ago, but I remember thinking, I'll never live this down. My life is over. <laughs> and it was so funny. But no, you, it was, it was a great class full of people. Uh, I remember that I love local news much like you, but I also thought I was going to be an attorney. But you can't escape it when it's in you, right? If it's in you, you just can't escape it. And what a beautiful career you have had. For those who don't know, like local news is when you turn on your local news and you see your fa- Mr. John or whoever's your favorite person. And I remember my biggest dream was to be a local news reporter here in LA, but life had different, obviously, circumstances for me. Did you realize that you would be I mean, once you had this bug, what was the gig? Because there's always a gig, the gig to get. I wanted to be Barbara Waters. That was the gig. You know, I wanted to be Diane Sawyer, the gig. What was the gig for you as you're coming up through the ranks? I mean, if, if, we're, if, we're, if we're being honest and naked, yeah. um, it's, it's this gig. This is... Uh, I was going to say, I'll say you've got the gig. <laughs> it's what I think, you know, for me, I... I I dreamed of, of doing this. Yeah. And you know, you have dreams. And I think from time to time, you kind of, you put them to the side. You're like, oh, this isn't going to happen. Uh, I can be happy doing this. I can be happy here. I went to DC for a few years. I could be happy working in DC forever. And, and so sometimes you sort of forget your dream. Um, but I, I never forgot it. I, 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 it's, this is, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I am blessed beyond measure. And it's not lost on me yet um, because I get to do what as a 16, 17 year old boy watching the Today Show in Columbia, South Carolina, I get to do what I, I dreamed of doing as a teenager. And now granted, you know, it took a, it took a long time. It didn't, you know, I think. But I don't think it took that long. I know for you, you're looking at it like it took a long time and I don't mean to cut you off. But I also know for everybody who is listening, you could dream that dream. You can even get the job. But very few people are tailored to thrive in that environment. Mm -hmm. Meaning a morning show is a grind on you, family and friends. But it's also a grind because it's, you know, very competitive. You're competing with other morning shows. We won't mention any of those while we're talking about it right now. But people have to be built to stay in the position in which you are. Al Roker is built a different way. He is. He is. He's a he's a human, Carrie. Al Roker is a, he is a robot. And I, at one point in time, it was Katie Couric, and then at, you know, at, you know, those we shall not mention. There is always um, someone who is built for it. You could have the dream, you could taste the dream, but you're like living the dream because you're built for it, don't you think? Well, I, I think you're very kind. You're very kind. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't think maybe I am now to a certain extent, but I wasn't when I started. First of all, and I'm glad you pointed this out, the, the grind on your family, I have two small kids, 
um, the grind is, is, is hard. It's also one of those jobs. There are not a lot of people who, who do it or who have done it. So there's not like a, it's, there's not a manual and there are not a lot of people that you can really ask like what it's like. Cause then they think you're coming for their job. So you kind of, you learn as you go. And there's so much about the job that I didn't know that I've had to, to learn. But the shift is, it's absolutely brutal. And, and I don't think a lot of folks understand, like it's, you know, they see, oh, you know, you're on TV three hours in the morning. It looks like you're having fun, you're smiling, you're eating, you're interviewing with celebrities or, 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 or politicians, whoever. And that, that's, that's not the job. I mean, that's, that's the easiest part of the job. You know, the, the hard part of the job is doing the show and then hopping on a plane and then, you know, flying to L.A. or flying to tomorrow's Buffalo. And you come back after being on the ground for a few hours and you get back up and you do the show again. Because part of the and they tell they told me this early on, 80 percent of doing the show is being there. Like you you have to be on the show. Mm-hmm. So if you're not on the show, then you're either on vacation or, or something huge has, has happened. So the shooting the stories between the show, it's a grind. And I miss, and, you know, I miss a lot. You know, I miss, you know, I, I miss sporting events that my kids have, or I miss the ballet recitals or, and it, that really used to bother me a lot. And Carson Daly and I had this conversation several years ago and, and he, he actually changed my perspective on it. And he said, Craig, um, if you really think about it, everyone, as a parent, everyone is sacrificing something. Most are sacrificing money. Um, some sacrifice time and some sacrifice other things, but everyone's making a sacrifice. You have to make peace with your sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so I've made peace with the fact that you know I'm not going to be at every event that my, my children have because I can't. Um, but we take fantastic vacations. And when I am with them, I'm present. I try to keep this terrible thing out of sight, my, 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 my smartphone. Um, so, but I'm, I've made peace with the sacrifice. Does that make sense? Well, 100%. Everyone who has some sort of passion or some sort of um, love, uh, they know that there's sacrifice that comes with that. And so relationships with workshops, everything, like it makes perfect sense. And since you led me there um, and you're talking about being a dad, you um, have this book out that is about your father and becoming a father and learning to be a father as you are, Pops. Let's talk about it for a second, because although it it's father and son, I think it, it could be father and daughter. Absolutely. You know, because I, I, I felt... A, a, a kindred spirit and a connection with you and your father's story, not unfamiliar to my father's story. So tell everyone what the book is about. So the, the book is about, it's about, it's about several different things. It's about um, the, the complicated relationship that most sons have with their fathers. It's about growing up in South Carolina. It's about addiction. It's about battling your demons but it's also ultimately about uh, resilience and love. And, uh, you know, my dad was, and it's funny because I just saw him two days ago. Uh, he was up here for this charity golf tournament we did. And, um, and even now, my dad's, you know, north of 70 years old. He tells me now, all the t- every time we talk, I love you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. But for the first, you know, 21, 22 years of my life, those, those were not, 
um, words that I heard a lot from my dad. And so as I got older, I started to, to develop this resentment toward my dad. Um, he, he was a, a recreational, casual drinker who over time became more than that. He, he drank a lot, you know, every day, blackout, you know. And, and so as I got older and I started to achieve, you know, some reasonable modicum of professional success, I started to resent, I started, I resented him, but I think more than just the resentment of, of my dad, it was this resentment toward his, his inability to get this monkey off his back. I, I, I did not have a, an enlightened view of addiction. I just saw it as, as most people did and probably still do to a certain extent. It was a weakness. It was a weakness that he couldn't control. And so this went on for years and we were essentially estranged for a number of years. Um, then he got into a fender bender. He got into a car accident about five years ago. He was driving drunk. Um, he'd retired from the post office after about 40 years. He had no hobbies or interests, very few friends, in part because he also worked third shift, not just the drinking. And he got into this fender bender and I was, I was working at the Today Show at the time and, and I had, Come, I had started to do a number of, I had done some stories on addiction and the way that I viewed addiction, it had changed. I knew what it was. And, and, you know, as Oprah used to say, when we know better, we do better. Mm -hmm. And so I, I saw it as an opportunity and, and we, we rallied the family. We staged a professional intervention and we, we got him into an inpatient facility. And keep in mind at this point, my dad is, at that point, he was 66, 67. Mm -hmm. And, and been, we're not talking like weekend drinking. We're talking hard drinking for 40 years. And we, we sent him to this place in Statesboro, Georgia. I was not optimistic that it was going to work. And then I go down there. Part of the program is um, you have to visit with with, with your, 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 your children and your spouse while you're in the program. They come and see you in this new environment and you talk and you air grievances that you've been holding on to for like years. They do like family therapy. So I, I fly down to Statesboro, Georgia one day after the show. And as soon as I saw him, as soon as we hugged, I, I knew um, I knew that he was different. And he hadn't he hadn't had a drink since. Wow. And not only, not only has he not had a drink, Carrie, he gave up cigarettes during COVID, the doctor told him that uh, if he had another cigarette, he might die. So he quit cigarettes, cold turkey. That'll do it for you. Yeah, well, yeah. And not, but he has, he has relationships now yeah. with his children and his grandchildren that he was totally incapable of having just five years ago. And so the book is about that. The book is about redemption. It's, it's just, but I, but I also, for me, it was cathartic. You know, I, I got to interview my dad for hours and ask him all the questions mm -hmm. that I, I wanted to. And we, I, you know, we have these recordings and, and it was just the first line in the book is and my father was born in a prison in West Virginia. And we never talked about it un until I sat down to write this book. And that's true. Like we had never, that's but a, I, that, I, that first line, I was like, whoa. And if we've never talked about it, never. 
there in prison. What was going on? I that was that was very very naked of you. What I'm also hearing though, Craig, is as you wrote this book, it um, helped you heal and forgive and realize that the compassion is is important and empathy is important because when you resent your parent, it's hard to let that go because. Yes. There are things we think they owe us that they didn't give us that we are trying to figure out as adults because we didn't get it when we were children. Um, I had the same resentment for my family, my, my parents, both my parents, actually. But once I started to forgive them, you start to understand more, you know? And I, I want to know now that you have this different perspective and you are now, um, you have a better relationship clearly with your father. How do you see his good traits and his bad traits displayed in you as a dad? Oh, oh, you're good at this, Carrie Champion. I've done an interview one time just before this. You're you're good at this. Oh, let's start with the bad, then we'll go to the good. Okay, babe. You you think bad traits, you know, and you alluded to this earlier. My dad worked third shift. He worked third shift for all but, I think, three years of his career as a mail clerk at the post office. So that's 36 years. And, and that, that's a brutal shift. I didn't find out until I sat down to write this book. He worked the third shift because you made a few extra bucks. And so he, he didn't go to college. He was the, the youngest in the family. There wasn't any money left for him to go to college. He went to the military and took this job at the post office as, as a mail clerk. And I'm not telling you anything he wouldn't tell you if you were talking to him. It was miserable. It was a miserable job. He didn't enjoy it. Um, he liked the people. But it was important to him, even as a, as a, as a self-described drunk, mm. it was important for his kids to go to college and for his kids to be successful. It, it didn't happen for him in the way that he wanted. So he worked that th- third shift to make some extra money to give us send us to college. Holidays, weekends, he picked up all the extra shifts for money. And I remember when I started my career early on in Columbia, South Carolina, I worked 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours. I, I, I did not say no. I worked six days a week for, for a long time. And I did it at the expense of relationships. I did it at the expense of, at first, my physical health, and then to, to a lesser extent, I think probably my mental health, although we didn't talk about that back then. Um, and I, I remember, and I, I remember I would, I would say to some of my close, close friends at the time, Maybe you went to a better college. Maybe you came from a better family. Maybe you were smarter, better looking. You weren't going to outwork me. That, that's you, right. Mm-hmm. You weren't going to outwork me. And, and, I, and I lived it. And I, I picked that up from my dad. And I used to wear that as a badge of honor. And as I get older, I realize that that probably, that probably wasn't the best approach. There probably should have been a happy medium or a happier medium. That was a bad treatment. And I'll tell you something else. I, I, and I've talked to my therapist about this as well. You know, I went through a phase in, in my 20s where I was out in Vegas like every few months at a blackjack table. Or I had a bookie. I would bet on games. And um, I, you know, for a while I was drinking more than I wanted to. And then I realized um, I have an addictive personality. That, and, that's, and that's genetic. Um, and, and so that was something else that I had to, to wrestle with. That was something that I inherited, uh, from my father. Those are the bad traits. Those are the, the and good traits. My dad, and, and it's, it's, and people who don't know him, who just meet him for the first time, it takes, 
it takes a few minutes to, to adjust to him. He has a, a sense of humor that is dark and twisted. <laughs> um, but he's, he's one of the funniest people that you'll ever meet. I'm not that funny, but I, I'd like to think that I, I have the ability to find humor in awkward situations. And I picked that up from my dad. I picked it up from my dad. And another trait that I've, I've always enjoyed, and uh, granted, when I was younger, I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. My, my dad is, is one of these people in the family, maybe the only person sometimes, he doesn't get involved in a lot of drama. Mm. Like he, he's not, he's aware of things that are happening. He doesn't get bogged down in a lot of the drama that consumes families. And, it, it, and for a long time, I thought it was, it was because he was indifferent, apathetic, maybe. No, he just realized that, as, as, as he says to me sometimes, like, you know, most people are, are crazy. Like, you just got, you got to find the crazy you can deal with. Uh, and man, is that crazy? And I'm like, you know what? Those are wise words. No wiser words. Wise <laughs> words. Wise words. And, he's, and it's funny because when we would talk after rehab, again, you know, he's in rehab for, for weeks, months. And I talked to him, um, I think it was when I went down for my visit, I, I said, Pops, how's it going? He said, man, let me tell you, I'm a drunk and I hadn't done right by a lot of my family. But I tell you, you sit in this place long enough, you realize <laughs> I ain't so bad. <laughs> and he proceeds yes. to yes. go on and on. He's like, "This no and so is crazy." Oh this yeah, such as this. Oh yes. you know that old saying? Um, you know, you put all your problems on the table. Everyone puts their problems on the table. You're like, let me just take my little problems back because I don't. True, but it's true. I, I don't want your problems. But, but, but it's but the longer you live, and so, you know this. But my father's taught me this. We're all broken. Everyone's yeah. broken. Some people are better at pretending that they're not or hiding their. But we're all broken. Everyone's broken. On the other side of the break, Craig dives a little deeper into things I think we all want to know. Do not miss it. You can fast forward through the commercial. Hit that 30 second, 15 second clip. Craig Melvin on the other side of the break. Every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. A champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes 
I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow! Uh, thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them myself as the middle generation. I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Thank you for being patient. Here's more with Craig Melvin. I love this. Uh, I think this is, like you said, a story about many things. But above all, I think it's also just truly a love story. So I definitely encourage people to read it because I, at the end of the day, as corny as it may sound, if we employ that and, and, and we give that unconditionally, it changes our relationships. And speaking- Have you forgiven your father? Oh, yes. Oh, good. We're good. Let me tell you, I had to forgive him. I told him one time, like I told you Craig was going to interview me, y'all. <laughs> um, 
we had this one conversation over a birthday dinner. And by this time, probably um, he and I, he came in, back into my life pretty heavy when I was 18 and 19, kind of went away, came back. Um, and then so like in my 30s, late 20s, he was always around. But when I moved back to LA in 2016, we would just, you know, have dinner and lunches and the whole nine. And one day he was talking to me and I remember it like it was yesterday. And he was explaining why he couldn't be around. He was like, mm. you know, mom, you know, and she sometimes didn't like me, but you're, and I said, hold on. What we're not going to do is ever talk bad about the woman who raised me when you were not around. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, so let's just have this conversation. You chose the fast life. If you really wanted to see me or your other children, you could have went to court. You could have petitioned. You could have hired an attorney. You had enough money to do so. You know, you were a hustler. You could have figured you could have figured it out if it was burning and important to you because grown folks do what grown folks want to do. And I was like, and he said, you're right. I can't even finish. He was like, no, you're right. I am wrong. He was like, I chose my life. I was, he just went into this wonderful, beautiful speech and, and it was heartfelt. And then at the end, he told me, I'm so glad you told me the truth. Mm. And like he respected, it was hard for him to hear because no one, no, you have children. You, you don't want to have that conversation with your son or your daughter that you let them down in their big age. You know what I mean? And you chose something else besides them. That's a hard thing to hear. Um, and he helped and he took it like a champ, all pun intended. So that is why I say at the end of the day, your book is about love because we have to be unconditional with it, right? We yes. give without expectation. We give it without anybody thinking anything else, but knowing at the end of the day, it's going to give us peace. Yes. So it's just beautiful. I had so many different stories. Craig, I, I think this, and I hate to even make this hard term because I have to. Mm-hmm. When I, I was having dinner with Chanel um, when she was in LA. Random people. She's so amazing. Let's just say that. Yes. I, I just pleasant and fun. And we, we got into this conversation about, you know, black journalists and the roles that we play, especially after George Floyd and how, how we were able to speak from our own experiences as you write this book about your father, who was a black man who grew up impoverished and worked this late shift. Life wasn't easy for him outside of just his own demons, how he lived in the South. I mean, I'm sure his stories are legendary of of racism and how he had to maneuver. So here we are in this world and you have this big, beautiful job and you find yourself being asked to talk about very personal things. Is there or was there any hesitation in your spirit about speaking your truth, um, perhaps derailing where you are professional, taking away from your career, taking away from your status or your viewers or the people who love you? There used to be, there, 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 no question. Um, I would say, you know, I'm 43. I don't think I was probably comfortable in my own skin until I was early mid thirties. Uh, yeah, I'd say probably early mid thirties. I think some of that was just immaturity. Uh, some of it was the result of life experiences, and for me, a lot of my worldview, if you will, has been shaped and molded by a lot of the stories that I've covered, a lot of the people that I've had the opportunity to talk to and interview and spend time with. But no, I, you know, now it's sometimes to, to, a, to not, not to my detriment, but every now and then I do have to, I have to catch myself and remind myself, 
that, you know, wait, 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 wait a minute now. I'm, I, 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 I need this job and I need to be careful about what I say. Um, fortunately, I work in a place and I'm not, you know, I'm not, not just, not, I'm not just saying this because, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy employee. I remember several years ago, this is before George Floyd, I was encouraged to be honest about how I felt um, about, you know, we were talking about diversity in the workplace or the lack thereof. And, and, and the person I was having the conversation with, I think, could sense that I was walking on eggshells. And they said, you know, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I'll just be clear. I want you to, and, I, and, and it ended up being a very refreshing conversation about, at the time, a tremendous lack of, of diversity. And not just, you know, at, at, in, in our workplace, in our little playground that is the Today Show, but at the company in general. Um, and, and, you know, since then, we've made some great strides. But I think a lot of people carry struggle with, with how honest can I be? Absolutely. How honest should I be? I do. Uh, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Al Rook and I have had this conversation numerous times uh, because one of the things I've always admired about him is his courage. A lot of folks, and you could, you know, people can Google this, but years ago, uh, you, you may recall, there was a, a radio host who also had a TV show who referred to some women college basketball players. Oh, yeah. He passed as, away, as, Yeah, Yep, as nappy-headed hoes. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of folks don't know is one of the people inside our company who led the charge to make that right was Al Roker. Mm-hmm. Who, who who wrote letters? Who rallied other colleagues? Who got on the phone, and and wanted to make sure that people understood inside the company and outside the company that 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 was unacceptable. And and so I have gotten to a point now where I I see it as an obligation. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the stories that I do, and a lot of the stories that I don't do, um, are they. It comes from that place. Does that make sense? Oh, 100. Yeah, you're speaking my language for sure. So, but, but you don't realize, and it probably didn't happen within, probably didn't happen until a few years ago. You realize, okay, I've got a little power. How, how am I going to use that power? Am I going to use that power to negotiate, you know, the biggest contract I can get for myself? Or am, am I going to use that power to amplify certain voices and maybe even diminish others and promote causes that advance the cause. And so, but but you mentioned George Floyd. I got to be honest with you, that for me was sort of the turning point as as a journalist. If if you, this is my point, this is a conversation and it's okay to say this for every black journalist or black and brown journalist, but more specifically, even a black male as a journalist, that is, it was life-changing. And I'm just to that spe- specifically for a culture and a collective that has de- had to deal with that and had been very familiar with that. And that wasn't a foreign story, but it's just being televised so the world can see. And we're at a point where the world could see because no one yeah. had any stupids at home and see. It changed you in what way? It changed me. It, I didn't fully appreciate the obligation that I had. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and dare I say, up until that point, I, I was taking that obligation for granted. Mm. Um, I was... You know, I, I would, you know, I, I was doing hard news stories and I would all, you know, I do features in sports, but I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily always see the value in making sure that people that look like us were being portrayed 
in a way that made them human. You know, like it, it, it was, and so, and in, in over the over the course of those weeks and months, and I, I you know, I was in in, in Minneapolis and in Houston, but the, the funerals and the protests and I covered all this stuff, and it sat with me. It's it's it sat with me in a way that I, you know, I got on the phone and I I I was, I was talking to bosses and trying to figure out how we could go about doing our jobs better. Yeah. And, and, and accurately reflecting not just the black experience in a more authentic way, but other experiences as well. And, and so, but it, but it was, it was an awakening. It was an awakening as, as not just a journalist, but as a father, mm-hmm. as a black man. And, and so anyway, it helped me tremendously. And, and some of the stories that we do now, and I see it all the time, you know, Chanel and I have this conversation because sometimes I'll nudge her and I'm like, this story that we're doing right now, this isn't on TV five years ago. This isn't on TV four years ago. Correct. Um, Correct. Correct. The games that we're playing with my sports, we're at UCLA is taking on Alabama State, first HBCU game. They, it, we're seeing it across every platform because yes. it's, there's a, let me pay attention. Yes. ESPN is like, okay, I'll cover some HBCU games. Right. Okay. I remember doing a story in 2019 and someone said, what is an HBCU to me at work when I was there? And now we're covering it. Now they're covering it rather. like crazy, right? We're watching it happen in real time. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. time. You know what? You know what I was going to say to you? Oh, I don't want to be mean, but I, but maybe I do. I'm not for sure. I'm going to say to you, you can't see the face. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking worried. Yeah. No, I don't have anything bad to say to you at oh. all. Never would I. But I like how you, you, you listen with your face. Have you noticed everybody on TV listens with their face? Like, what are you saying to me? One fun little note that I, I didn't know about you. This is the, this is what I was going to ask you. Uh, wh- when did we pledge? Because you, I'm, that was shocking to me for some reason that you. I pledged, uh, Kappa Sigma is the fraternity. I pledged 97. So I went to a college, Wofford College. Uh, it's a small liberal arts college in upstate South Carolina. And I had not, to that point in my life, my high school was probably 70% black. Yeah. That may be a conservative estimate. Yeah. The white experience was new to me. Yeah. And I hate to generalize the stereotype, but I think most people understand what I'm talking about from, in terms of college fraternities and sororities. But... I also grew up, my mother, like she put Stalin to shame. Like she, mm-hmm. I, there was, there was no freedom in my house. There was no, <laughs> I didn't, people were like, oh, like when you were in high school and you went to high school football games on Friday nights, I was like, I didn't go to high school football games on Friday nights. We were allowed to like go out. <laughs> like there was no, like when, when I, people think I'm exaggerating. And sometimes when my mom's around, I have to tell, I have to, like, mom, is it, mom, is this true? Yeah. Knew all my friends, knew all their parents. And she overcompensated because my dad was, 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 was physically present, but absent. So anyway, so I go off to college and in my, in my freshman class, there were six black guys, six Mm -hmm. who, who did not play a sport. Mm. Um, Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. So most of them did, except for the other six. And so I, I wanted to have a, a social life. 
and I got to college and I realized pretty quickly that the folks who were having the most fun on campus were in fraternities and sororities. I see. And, I see. and what, I, what I did not realize until a few weeks into the pledging process in this particular fraternity at Wofford College, there had never been a black member. Yeah. And there was me and this other guy, Corey Porter, and the two of us, we were pledging at the same time. And at one point, we had a conversation. We're like, well, you know, is this the best? And keep in mind, I came from a long line of Kappas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uncle, like Grand Paul Morgan. I mean, just. Uh-huh. And so it, it led this like some awkwardness for a couple of months. <laughs> um, and finally, I was just like, you know what? I, I'm going to be here for four years. And, and that was it. And, and, and some, of the, some of the guys, and some of my fraternity brothers from college, some of my best friends now. Hands down. Hands down. And by the way, though, a one, oh, I said, I'm surprised. You don't seem like you'd be like, oh, I want to pledge. You seem like you'd be your own person. Y'all follow me. Do what I want to do. Right. That's how I feel like you would have been. Number, But number two, you're absolutely right. Because at the end of the day, it is about the friendships you make. So if they're lifelong friends and it was a great experience for you, I love you like it. I love it. I receive it. It's it's funny because I, you know, sometimes you're in, you're in the moment. And at that point, I was 18. And I didn't realize, of course. Um, like it was, it was a bigger deal for other people than it was for me. I was just looking to meet girls on the weekends, <laughs> and like, and, and drink, you know. And I just I, that was that was that, that was like, experience, yes. Right? And I, I wanted to go with the place that was going to give me the greatest opportunity to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you made some history at the college. It's like, no, I didn't. I didn't make any history. I just went with the numbers. You said the greatest opportunity to do so. <laughs> no. I mean, did you pledge? No. I w- I thought about it, but I was like, I don't need nobody. But now that you, I will tell you my regrets, and I, I not that there are, but it is an incredible sorority slash fraternity of people. It's a great networking system. People want to do things for you. I, I see it all the time with my girlfriends who are who are now some pledging as adults. It's that beca- that's become more popular too. Where I don't know what you, what the term is. Are they honorary? Or they make them when they are full grown adults? I had a friend who was did something and she's at AKA now. I don't, I'm missing the. I could see you as, you would be an AKA. You think so? Oh, am I giving you Jack and Jill energy? I didn't. I felt like. That's for Chanel. Of course she is. But I, I feel like I'm fooled. <laughs> well, that would be right. That's a compliment. That's a compliment. It is. But I feel a way. I feel like, nah, I'm from the hood. Not really, but yeah. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> You're not, you're not fooling anyone, Carrie. You're not. It's not. <laughs> um, no, but I didn't. I've been thinking about it though, and I have no no shade to AKAs or Deltas, no shade to Jack and Jill. I again, I just came from Martha's Vineyard. I was very familiar and indoctrinated into the Jack the Jack and Jill lifestyle there. It's funny you mentioned Martha's Vineyard. My mother. What's today? Today is we're doing this one. My mother is going in two days. Oh, are you going? No, I just saw mom. I can't vacation with mom for days. I just saw, I was with mom for a week in South Carolina two weeks ago, and she was up here for a long weekend. We, my, mom and I just taking a little break. Yeah, uh, okay. I'll see you again. Yeah, of course. But she's going with the girls. Uh-huh. But it, you know, it's like, it's the black Mecca. It, 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 it was my first time. It was unbelievable. It was your first time? That's stunning. Which is why I keep telling you I know nothing about this Jack and this Jill. It was my first <laughs> going 
<laughs> All right, Greg, enough. I didn't too much of your time. I know you have to go. Again, you have been a pleasure. I'm just very happy that other, I'm being allowed to see another side of you. Uh, the humanity part is important. So it's great. Well, you're very good at this. You, you should charge people to come on because I, yeah. feel, I feel like this was therapy for the last 45 minutes. You I thought it, it was therapy for me. Send me a bill. I'll write you a check. Okay, you, you don't play with me. I know you got that big Today Show money. I've got the bill right now. Not. I do not. <laughs> I do. I, I, no, actually, he's documented. He's going to give me a million dollars, guys. Thanks, Craig. I never said that. <laughs> I said I was going to check. I love you. Be well, be well, be well, be well. That was beautiful. And to be honest, I over-relate in every way with my father, with my mother. Addiction is a real thing. It's a disease. And if you don't understand that it's a disease, you don't have compassion. And that's what I love about this book and what I love about what Craig talked about is that when he understood addiction and what it meant, he was able to see his father and other people in a different way. It also spoke to who he was, what he needed to improve on. I'm telling you, holding a mirror up to someone else really is a reflection of who you are. When you do certain things to people, there's a reason why. When you behave a certain way towards people, there's a reason why. And I'm all about the empathy and compassion. I never get it right, but I'm all about it. So please check out this book. Uh, salute to Craig, support him on the Today Show. And I say this in closing. I always like to do news and notes in the beginning, and I didn't really have much because I didn't really do much. Uh, the summer is coming to an end. And we are all trying to figure out how we get back to this work mode because we are still definitely in summer mode. I know I'm having a hard time. So (laughs) do me a favor and definitely relax and enjoy yourself. You deserve it no matter what. Okay. enjoy the last few weeks of summer. Keep supporting your girl and naked. And I'll talk to you all next week. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.